Hello, and welcome to Quadrants of Mental Health, dealing with the mind, body, spirit, and finance within the mental health field. This is our first episode, and we're really excited about putting this together and and doing this type of broadcast, being in all the different mediums that we can be placed on. We would advise you, if you like the program, to subscribe to the program, and also, please share this information with other people. I have a special guest with me this today, um, been knowing him for quite some time, uh, Mr. Phil White. He is a brother in spirit um, and also in the mental health field. Uh, Phil has been 33 years as a social worker with 25 years at Henrico County Department of Social Services. Primary area of work with children and child protective services, I should say, and prevention. In 2003, he was a partner of three who developed the county's, ooh, excuse me, the country's fatherhood support group. Since that time, over 1,200 men and teenage boys have completed the 12-week program. In 2012, Phil became a master fatherhood trainer under the mentorship of Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the National Partnership for Community Leadership in Washington, D.C. Phil White is also a father and a husband, and I call him friend. Welcome to the program, Phil. Thank you for being my first guest. Thank you, Jay. It's really an honor that one, I'm your first guest, and I'm just very delighted to continue with our brotherhood that we've had over the past several years, and it's just a, a true honor to be uh, to be here with you and just excited about this new venture that you started with this, this podcast and just wish you much, much success. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. I have guests already calling me wanting to be on, so yeah. I'm hoping that we can be of value not only to the community we serve in, mm-hmm. but within the country and others who right. who listen in, because you know you've been in social services for over thirty three years. Mm-hmm. Now I know I would say technically you've retired, but yes. you haven't stopped working yet. No, it's 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 kind of the next chapter in my life and the passion for this type of work. You you, you just can't walk away from it. You just go to another level. But it's it's almost like a mission, and it's it when it's placed in you, it's not something that you you can just uh, again, as I said, walk away from it. So I'm I'm doing a variety of uh, projects um, uh, with various various partners around here in Central Virginia, and it's just it's just a, a passion that I have. That's that's awesome. Um, now I know I always tell the story, and you say I don't remember it, I don't <laughs> believe it, but. Bill White actually got me my start in doing parent coaching. I was working um, in the field doing um, in-home counseling, and I went to see Phil to try to get some in-home cases and just talking about the cases that he had and what was going on. I said, Phil, what's your toughest case right now? And he was telling me about this guy. His name is James. And he, I said, Phil, let me let me talk to him. And I said, you can come with, come, come with me, but let me talk to him. And Phil and I went to see James and his girlfriend at the time and had James at the table crying and when we left phil says i, I want to try to get you to work with this brother here yeah, and work with this family you know under parent coaching and he went and in fact the phone started ringing from that point i mean you you were a great spokesman for me in henrico county social services because all all of a sudden i started getting a lot of parent <laughs> coaching cases and not getting the in-home cases like i was getting so yeah, you yeah. might not remember that but i do and never yeah. will forget it yeah. and i always believe in giving credit and honor to those who help me and serve right. serve within the community as well okay and i yeah. really thank you and appreciate you for it thank you a few years ago maybe about two two three years ago mm-hmm. we also did a young teenage fatherhood group talk a little bit right. about that right. and how that came about when you talk about a group of people particularly young men that is kind of like this invisible force 
in our country that would be teenage fathers. And I guess in my my journey in social work and whenever I run across, had the opportunity to engage a teenage father, you see the layers of despair that these young men can 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 have in their lives. You know, they they are boys, teenagers, and now they got the label as a father. Sometimes that that label or those labels can cause a lot of a lot of emotional stress for them. And what I've learned over the years, most men, most men, you know, we, we start out when we're young boys and and our, our hyper masculinity, sexuality kind of get all tangled up together and, and, and our sense of who we are sometimes is is rooted in our sexuality. And so we, we, we start out at a very young age, uh out there on the hunt and, and, and get involved in, in our sexual lives and every so often young man in his in his quest out there will get that call saying I'm pregnant and when that happens it, it just it just causes a great deal of problems for many of these young men and then what we see we may see the young man he had a kid at 16 but he continued having children now he's 36 and, for, and now he may have six kids with three three uh, three different women and research has has clearly pointed out and this is Dr. Ronald Mincy out of Columbia University who did a lot of research about fathers that have multiple children with multiple women and he has this quote that he would say, Jay, that he would say that uh, you show me a man that has multiple children with multiple women. That's a perfect recipe for chronic depression. So, yes, that uh, so teenage fathers was a was a group that I really wanted to see if we could kind of bring together. Right. It's an elusive group because, as we know, for teenage fathers, it's easy for them to hide their pregnancy. Yes, it is. You see. And they don't really fit within the culture of the fatherhood group all the time, That's right. either because of their age. Because of their age. Because of their age. They, they very, it's hard for them to commit uh, because they, they're boys. They're, they're teenagers. Boys. You know, and if mama's not bringing them or daddy's not pushing them or somebody's not, not on them, they all over the place. All over the they place. Boys. They boys. They and, are and boys. And the sad part about it, too, you have grandmother rearing the child anyway. Yes, yes absolutely. He's not even participating. Right. And here's another piece of talking about grandmother, who's the gatekeeper of the child, because most of the time, that grandmother grandmother is the mother of the mother of the child yes and if she doesn't have a good open relationship with the baby with the with the father he's he's gonna have a difficult time right. even being able to see his child no access at all no access yeah, at all very little and he, he knows very little about the court system he has nobody can kind of guide him through that process and he's just in a mess yes so I think when we start talking about how we can try to have the opportunity to engage teenage father, it was a very eye-opening experience for us. Yes. I think we learned a lot from these young men as they took us deep inside their lives. It is still a group that is not getting the type of attention that it needs. Yes. So hopefully that's, I'm, I'm going to continue to push it and hopefully we can find a way. One of my frustrations is if there's one group of people who know these boys, it's the folks in the schools that they attend. Yes. They know them. And they won't give you access. And they won't, they won't take the initiative to try to bring these guys together and allow professionals, allow people to have the, 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 the passion to work with these young men to come in and meet them. Yes. It's like us. And if we had the them. opportunity to come and just talk to them, yes. we can begin to make an impact, build that relationship, build that trust and, and try to try to be with them along this journey. But we have not been able to get the educators uh, throughout the, the areas that we work in to understand that these boys, see, mothers are getting that type of attention. Yes, Teenage moms are getting a lot of they attention. They get a lot of attention. We have here in the area that we work in <clears throat> that a few of the high schools have gotten so innovative that they have created daycare centers 
In the school. In the school. So yes. that the mother's education is not disrupted by the pregnancy. Isn't that interesting? But but nobody's putting the attention on the teenage day. And that's where that's where we are, are not being gender equal as far as understanding that that father is is kind of like he's invisible because we're making him invisible. Right. And then he accepts his, his 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 being invisible because that's his norm. That's his norm. He finds that to be norm. Phil, I don't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but when we were doing the fatherhood group, there's one father that always sticks out in my mind and mm-hmm. I always talk about this guy. He was 12 years old, 12 years old. and he had and um, mother was 17. 17. Right. And in, in my rational mind, I'm saying what could a 12 year old say mm-hmm. To a 17-year-old that would entice her yeah. enough yeah. that she would think this is a man mm-hmm. or a child mm-hmm. that I would like to have a baby with. Yeah. And yeah. now I'm 5'11". Yeah. And yeah. when I met the young man, 12 years old, mm-hmm. I had to turn my head and look up to him. I said, <laughs> yeah. okay, all he had to do is say nothing That's at the, all. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm I'm 5'11". Yeah. And I'm looking up to this 12-year-old. Yeah. This is just what's going on in society. And another <sighs> point is and when I was doing in-home working with these young men, too, you will find they will have the baby. They will be with the woman, the girl, throughout the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And a month or two after the baby's born, right. they break up. All teenage relationships, these relationships don't last. I have two teenage dads right now, Jay, that's in, in the fatherhood group. One is 19, one is 18. 19-year-old, uh, his baby is three months. 18-year-old, his baby is due later this month. In March, neither of them are with the mother. That's the norm, though. <laughs> That's the norm. That's, that is there the norm. Go. It right. is so sad. You right. know, and teenage fathers, they get pushed aside and they have yeah. really accepted that role to right. a degree. Right. But they're not. You know, they don't want to go to court. They don't want right. to deal with That's anything. Right. That's right. And, but they are, they are not going to stop uh, pursuing relationships. No, they're not, not going to stop that. Not going to stop that. And I think I think our country, our congressmen, our, our educators, our, our professional community has not understand the, the the collateral damage. It's not it's not intentional. They just doing what they know. Right. And they're going to continue to have relationships, right. but the collateral damage that they can cause, let's just take a city or a county and that where he lives, that that young man can cause all kinds of financial burdens yes. on, a, on a multitude of systems. I was just giving to mention child that, support. Right. All kinds of systems. Yeah. But nobody understands it unless until our our decision makers, our congressmen, our, our senators, our, our presidents, our people in, in positions to understand the financial burdens. Right. And I would even take it down to the level of powers that be within the social services system right. itself, yes. mm-hmm. because it's a system. It is a systemic problem. Right. Right. It don't just start within the family. We got to look at the whole mm-hmm. the whole because they say it takes a village. Right. And you could take it to the national level, the state level, the the county level yeah. or city level, That's right. all the That's way right. down. Mm-hmm. You know, there are issues. I mean, I'm not, we're not trying to bash them, but no. we're just trying to make you aware that these problems right. continue to facilitate this bad behavior mm-hmm. on this young man's part. Because now you got a kid mm-hmm. who needs child support. He needs to be supported. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. daddy's not working. So the burden goes on the mom's mom, right. the grandmother or the grandfather, That's that right. side of the family That's with right. no recourse to the other side of the family. And and then as this child as this child continues to have children, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, mm-hmm. he may have five or six children right. by three or four different women. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and now he has to pay child support. So he wants to duck paying child support. Sure. So he's not gonna get a job or keep a job too That's long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he don't want to pay child support. That's right. He's going to do what they say. He's going. He's going to go underground. 
Yeah. He's still going to be around. He may even have an on and off relationship with one or two other mothers. Mm-hmm. But it's like Dr. Johnson used to say on our training, because dad, because people say dad is not around, doesn't mean he's not around. Right. Mama's, mama knows where they are. Oh, yeah. Particularly if he still, like I say, got a relationship on and off with them. You know, it's like when we ask grown men in, in fatherhood program, when did you uh, when did you have your first kid? How many of you had your first kid when you were a teenager? The hands go up. Hands go up. Hands go up. And the sad part about <laughs> it, when you look at the financial part of it, I'm hoping that they're working on fixing this part of the system, too, mm-hmm. where you may have a man who is working. Mm-hmm. And they'll take his driver's license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't understand the thought process or rationale behind people making that a law that here you are working Mm -hmm. and you need to drive to get to work. So we take your driver's license. Yeah. I met a man in court. This has been a few years ago. He was he had gotten his CDL license. Mm. He was driving tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. They took his CDL license. Yeah, and he said he was five years trying to get back in the courts to right. get his CDL license. Mm-hmm. He said he would have rather for them to garnish it his pay, right, than for him to take his license because yeah. now he's working at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. He has to walk a mile to McDonald's, and that's the best job he could get. Yeah, I think there is some some light bulbs that have started to go off by decision makers that that's one of the policies that's starting to have some changes made. Child support is starting to try to rebrand their image, particularly with men. Okay. Uh, in regard to being more father friendly, at least in Virginia. And they, they recognize in that they don't want to be a punitive agency. They want to be a helpful agency. Right. Like Dr. Johnson would tell us all the time is that it's not that he's a dead beat. Sometimes he's just dead broke. Right. So the system is now trying to shift with they if they can help a young man with some job training, mm-hmm. with some vocational training, with some literacy training, with some financial training. All of these things will help. It's a win-win situation. It is. If they start being a help to him rather than just catting him out Punitive, game. punitive. Right. Everything right. can't be punitive no, with the person no. because when you come at me punitively, yeah. then I'm going to run. I'm going to run. That's right. But That's if you come right. at me and hey, brother, let me help you, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm open to that. Right. What can you do to help right. me? How right. can you help me? And this, and this is a national concern when they talk about child, child, child support and how the whole system nationally could, they say, be a helper. Right. Two two men that find themselves in this situation because you're absolutely right. If if the man feels that, that nobody respects him, everybody wants to try to crush him, then he, he's gonna he's gonna run away. He's not gonna be a cooperative. He's not he's not he's just not. He's just not at all. Now we're mainly talking about the teenage father and we have to keep that in mind in yeah. light of you're talking about a child right. who's a father. Yeah whose yeah. brain has not fully developed yet, right. you know? So we know that there are some mental and emotional deficiencies yeah. there, yeah. you know? And, and the sad part about it is he's ostracized from the child, from the relationships that he needs to cultivate. Right. And now it becomes his norm. And then you will have generational mm-hmm. or pathological aspects of that because you'll right. find a, a, a father who had a teenage son and then you have a teenage son. Yeah. Same thing. My daddy did, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, when do we stop this vicious cycle? Yeah. That's I like I like to tag that that sequence of events as kinda like the collateral damage. Yes. You know, and, and like I say it's unintentional but it has such such internal power. As you said, that, that child knows mommy and daddy aren't together. They don't even like each other. Daddy's got some other kids and they my brothers and sisters and but they got we got the same daddy with different mamas. Yeah. And that becomes their norm. 
and, and, and now we all in the same school and yeah. don't even know we related. Right. right. I had that happen. I've had that happen dad. too. Yeah. Dad walks to go see one kid in school, takes to lunch. Another kid yells out, hey, dad. Two kids in the same class. Same class. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's the reality of that teenage group. But tell me a little bit more, Phil, about the fatherhood group, how yeah. you got started doing that. What was the passion behind that? Because yeah. they call you the godfather now <laughs> yeah. of the fatherhood groups here in Richmond, Virginia, yeah, area, yeah. So metro Richmond area. So that, tell me how that how that came about for you. Because yeah. you, you were in social services for 33 years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this was a new venture for you. How did that unfold for you in your life? That was that was the critic of uh, Gordon Raglan, who was the director of the agency I was with in Henrico County, Virginia. And he came to me and other guys and asked us to travel with him to Virginia Beach Department of Social Services because they had a program there called FIT, F-I-T, Fathers in Training. Went there, Jay and um, Gordon had this relationship with uh, the director there, a man by the name of Daniel Stone, and both of these gentlemen have, have passed on now. But from that relationship, Daniel had this vision about working exclusively with dads, with fathers. So he created FIT appointed Brian Hawkins really is when we talk about the godfather of fatherhood in the, in Virginia that would be my brother Brian Hawkins <clears throat> so they started fit went there and developed a relationship with him and his his co-workers that were seeing men on a weekly basis and it basically uh outside of my experience in sports over the years since, since a child I've never been in a space when men were talking about life in such a transparent emotional way and from that day it kind of changed my life and we came, we came back, we, we stayed, stayed connected with them. We would go down, be part of the group. We did that for about six months. Oh, wow. So we collected all of that, that personal involvement uh, with the guys, learned a lot by being in their space, came back, started doing some research. That was 2002. Okay, I'll just give it to ask you, what year was that? Okay. Yeah, that was 2002. So we put our program together and we went uh, public uh, in, in September of 2003 here in Henrico County with the fatherhood program. And was it supported by the county initially? Yes, supported by the county fully. I say Gordon was the director, so he had shared the visions of a fatherhood program coming to Henrico County with the county manager at that time. So it was fully supported by every level of government within the county. And we went and shared it with our judges. The question, and this is a, a fair question for anyone that is interested in this type of work. You have to ask yourself, where can we find men? Where can we find dads? And the one place in America that we can find men for a multitude of reasons are courts. Court system, yes. So that's where we went. Okay. To our court system, our, the juvenile domestic courts, our general district courts, talked to the judges, talked to the clerks about what we, and they, um, they saw the benefit, having a partnership with us to make referral, and that's that's how that's how we uh, that's how we got started. And to this day, our courts have been the biggest referrals. Mm -hmm. We get more referrals from the courts uh, for a multitude of things for men. What our judges have learned over the, over the years is that they don't necessarily want to be punitive or find them guilty on something. They want them to be able to get in a space where they can learn. What's behind the behaviors right. that's bringing them to the court? So it's been a, it's been a beautiful partnership, and yeah, it's I say it's it has benefited me and just changed my life in a number of ways. So with that being said, that was Henrico County. Also, I know that you helped to facilitate get a group getting started in Chesterfield. Yeah, yes. How how did the Richmond group come about? Because I know that they're no longer functioning. 
Yeah. But at one time, Richmond had a functioning group as well. Same thing. Tell me about that. Right. Um, I was I was um, blessed to meet Brian Gullins at the time was uh, um, part of the Richmond Family Fatherhood Initiative. And they heard about what we were doing in Henrico. So they um, they came over, met me, and we developed a relationship and met some other people there. Dr. Stern, he's since retired. He was the director of the health department in the city. Um, and, and they saw the benefit of having fatherhood in the city. Same thing with Chesterfield County. Okay. Um, and they uh, felt that if it's working in Henrico, it, it can work in, in Chesterfield as well. So just giving it the nuts and bolts of how to get the program started, how to train people to, you know, this 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 type of work is, is not meant for everyone. Right. You know, it's just, you just know the people that's got the type of spirit do this type of work because it is it's so close to being a ministry because you have to gain the trust the people you're working with. Yes. And that takes time. Yes, it does. They got to know that you are sincere, that you're real. And one of the key things I think that anyone that's interested in this type of work out to be able to have is you got to be accessible. Yes. That means doing group Beyond after group, group yes. have to be accessible. Because right. when a man says, I, I need to run something by you, he may need to call you on a Saturday right, or a Sunday. Right. And my family has gotten so accustomed to it now because, you know, one of the first things that I tell people that wants to do this work is when one of the things we train them is your first session that you have with a group of men is that you got to identify yourself and you got to say, here's my number. Here's my email. That says a lot to me. Yes, it does. It says a lot to him. And, and then too, um, just to, you know, relate a little bit of uh, story mm -hmm. that you and I both participate in. Mm -hmm. um, there's a guy named Andy. He participated in your group yeah. for several years mm -hmm. and he was in my group. I do parent coaching, mm -hmm. parent education group. Yeah. Yep. And yep. there was an opportunity where you're talking about being accessible. Mm -hmm. He asked us both to come to court for him. That's right. That's right. And that was a journey. I <laughs> yeah. think I think court started at uh, one o'clock. It was almost nine thirty, nine ten o'clock before we got out of that's court. That's right. Stay right there. You know, and, yeah. and that's the type of thing you were talking about mm -hmm. being accessible and being right. willing to go beyond the paycheck sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Because that's right. There, there are motherhood groups out there. There are a lot of women groups out mm -hmm. there. Very few father groups or mm -hmm. fatherhood groups or anything related to men unless right. you want to go to a men's Bible study. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not putting those right. down. Right. Right. But when right. it comes to the social, emotional right. and mental health part of it, right. there are not a lot of services for men. Mm -hmm. And. Mm -hmm. Yet we have these teenage fathers. We have these men being arrested for domestic violence. Right. We have uh, right. men being, you know, arrested for whatever mm -hmm. in his past or it be a drug history or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But there are no support groups or nothing to help right. him to deal with that mental aspect of it. Yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, remind you about that time mm -hmm. we were in court. You know, Jay, that's a good point you bring up because I think and this is a key part for people to understand. Men, we, we as men in America have not been trained, have never been comfortable with the emotional vulnerability. No, <clears throat> We've never been trained with that. So not at all. institutions like social services, police involvement, courts, for men, that can be a very stressful encounter. Yes. Very intimidating. Very intimidating. <clears throat> very fearful. Yes. But we know we have to deal with these environments. We don't want to. So when when we know those those institutions have a certain amount of control or power over us, for a lot of men, that's that's very stressful. So what I found over the years that when when a brother comes up to you, <clears throat> and looks you in the eye and say, "Hey, Mr. Johnson. Hey, Mr. White. Um, can you can you come to court with?" That's that's that's. 
that's that's validation for one. Yes, it is. Because he he has that kind of relationship, feels that comfortable with you because he just knows that he can't say, I'm afraid to go by myself. <clears throat> right. But he trusts what he's seen in you, <clears throat> that you've given him a sense of companionship that he would just feel better if you dare with him, if you can say something on his behalf. Right. And I think all of that gives the programs that, that we're talking about when we talk about this fatherhood work. It validates the program. It as validates well. the program, right? Especially yeah. when the judges see you coming yes. in there with a with a brother mm -hmm. and knowing that they had completed your program mm -hmm. and you were there just for support because I, I've been right. in court where the judge would even address you yes. and ask you how did he do, how were things going, or right. what's going on now, and. Mm -hmm. You know, and have an opportunity to say he's completed the course mm -hmm. and we're just here to support. That's right. You know, and help to help him out because it's, it's difficult navigating mm -hmm. the court system. Even it in is. my class, I tell parents, I'm, I'm, I'm from a parenting perspective, mm -hmm. I say do not go to court without right. an attorney. Right. If you can afford one, if you can't afford one, get an attorney. Mm -hmm. Have someone in there that can help you navigate this mm -hmm. process. Right. Because right. I've found that you tend to do a lot better with support mm -hmm. you yes. know, than right. without support. Right. Because right. when they see right. you have an attorney, when they see a fatherhood group or parenting group come in and support you, mm -hmm. it means a lot. Mm -hmm. That's you true. Know. That's true. And you know, it's, it's like what I say to men all the time, and I, I normally say at the first session, is that in America, this is the best time in this country to be a dad. And what I mean by that is that we have finally recognized just the import, how important it is for fathers to be connected to their children and to have a good functional relationship Happy. with the mother of their child. Yes. See, those, yeah. those are key parts. Key parts. And it's, it's important because um, with, with fathers, like I said, you know, there are a lot of groups that are, that are related to moms, mm -hmm. the support groups, and they're being mm -hmm. supported right. by the counties. Right. And they have the mechanism in place to get mothers to come through their sure. pipeline. Right. That was the end of episode 100, and I know you'd like to hear the rest of it. So why don't you go ahead and check out episode 101 of Quadrants of Mental Health.